Let's turn to James 1. Let's look at verse 19. This you know, my brethren, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Or the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Scripture was meaningful to me this week. I was on the uh, phone one day and I was talking with somebody through business and, and uh, there was uh, some misunderstandings and communication and it was coming across as though I wasn't, I wasn't giving them the information and I had you know, made it clear and done something and two weeks earlier and so they were kind of you know, not really frustrated but just a little bit putting blame you know, <clears throat> underlying in the tone and, and I could hear it in my heart and I was trying to communicate and they weren't listening to what I was saying, and so I had to really repeat myself and kind of more firmly, and and so uh, I made my point, and then they finally got it, and then hung up the phone, and then I just paused a moment, and I just kind of felt a little bit sick, and I was like, what is this feeling that I have here? It was conviction. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's like the way you spoke, that wasn't that wasn't with love. You didn't speak in gentleness, and uh, I thought, Lord. I felt like I, you know, I, was, I tried to be as patient as I could, but it was like he wasn't, I had to be firm. And yet the Holy Spirit was so, uh, was grieved that it, he convicted me that, that the way I spoke, it wasn't, it wasn't in the patient, with the patience of Jesus, with gentleness. And, uh, you know, some scriptures came to mind that we're supposed to be a fragrance of Christ, you know, to people. And I felt like the way that I spoke wasn't the, the character and the nature of Jesus to this person who was an unbeliever, even though it was all right what I was saying, but it wasn't just uh, with the grace of God. You know, we're supposed to have grace on our lips. And people can tell if you have grace when you get into a situation, when things get confrontational. I find it's easy the way you respond for people to tell, you know, if you have grace in your life. <clears throat> and if you're a Christian, we should have that. If we get into situations when we find with our words that we lose that grace, then it's a testimony against us you know, that we don't have the fruits of the Spirit fully uh, manifested as they should be. And so we have this scripture here that is important that we look at. And James, <clears throat> he says that we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. This is the opposite of what our nature is. Our nature is to be short of hearing and a lot of speaking. <clears throat> We, we want to get our point across. It's hard to listen to somebody when they're, uh, you know, having a complaint against you. You'd like to defend yourself and cut them off halfway through their sentence, I find. <clears throat> but we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And uh, if we have that attitude, we'll keep ourselves from a lot of sin. Because there's a proverb, and <clears throat> we can read this here. In Proverbs uh, 21, it says in verse 23, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Proverbs 21, 23. It says that we can guard our mouth and our tongue. <clears throat> and so, 
if we are if we are asking the Holy Spirit to help us, like immediately after this, I had to start to pray. I said, Lord, you got to help me. Because I recognize it after I said it, the way I said it, but I want to recognize it when I, in the heat of the moment, you know, when you feel the tension, kind of like, he's not getting it. That you can be able to say, Lord, he's not understanding and I don't have to make my voice sharp and firm in such a way that he senses that you know, there's tension there. So Lord, help me, Lord. And, and to pray, and to, in this situation, to pray and say, Lord, I want to guard my mouth because I don't want to get myself into trouble through this. You know, sometimes we respond quickly to someone who's mad at us. It causes a, a fight, a quarrel. It causes trouble because of the way we speak. And it says if we, we can guard our, our tongues and our mouth, and it'll keep us from trouble. There's also another proverb in 13. Proverbs 13, verse 3, it says, The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. It says, The one who speaks wide, or one who opens wide, rather, his lips comes to ruin. The flesh wants to open wide our lips. We have to say, and it produces ruin. And there's a time to speak. There's also a time to be silent. And the key is that if we're always guarding our mouth, and, and you know the things that come from our mouth, Jesus said they come from our heart. And so when things irritate us, we know that they're not far away from coming out of our mouth. So when we feel the irritation in our heart, that's when we have to immediately guard. You know, how do you know when to guard your mouth? Like, you feel something in your heart. You, maybe you're upset. You're angry. Like I felt, like he's not understanding. And that's when I have to guard my mouth. I have to be slow to speak right there. Say, Lord, I'm going to be slow to speak and quick to hear. I can preserve my life that way, and I can also keep myself from, from ruin and trouble. There's a proverb also, and it's in uh, chapter 10. I don't know the exact verse, but it says, Where words are many, it says, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. So sometimes we sin the way we say something. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we say something in a wrong way. And sometimes we just sin because we, uh, we don't guard our mouth and we use many words and we speak. That's what James is saying here. It says we slow to speak. So sometimes we have to say many words. You know, to defend ourselves, we use lots of words, 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 words. But it says that this is nothing but trouble. Words are many. Transgression is unavoidable. It's sin is right behind many words. And so it's important to guard our hearts and our lips. Let's look at uh, <clears throat> Numbers in chapter 20. See how serious the Lord takes these things. The testimony of Moses in the wilderness when he was leading the people and God spoke to him a second time that he should speak to the rock that the water could come forth. The people were thirsty. <clears throat> the first time he spoke to Moses in Exodus in chapter 17, he told him to strike the rock. And Moses struck the rock and the waters came forth. And the people, although they were grumbling and they, although they were complaining, they, they received the waters from the rock. <clears throat> and that's a testimony that Jesus uh, was smitten for us. He took this, the stroke and he took the punishment and we were, were given life through that. But once we are born, we know that when we've spoken and we can, we've repented in our words, but we don't need to continue. When we recognize sin with our mouths, when we sin with our words and we recognize our sins, we need to 
recognize it, pray that we cease from sinning so we don't continue to sin in our, with our tongue and with our lips. And here is a, is a testimony where God was asking Moses now to speak to the rock. <clears throat> and he ended up sinning in it. And this is a testimony when we continue to sin and can continue to sin where we're not learning from our mistakes. And we go back and we continue to strike the rock. It's like, you know, willfully sinning. Or, so you know what, I'm angry and I don't care. I'm going to be quick to speak and uh, <clears throat> slow to listen on this one. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And this is what happened. <clears throat> in this testimony, it says in verse 8, Take the rod, the Lord said to Moses, and you shall, you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock, and the, let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? You see where, where his heart was at? He was very frustrated at this point. And this is the point where he had to guard his mouth to preserve his life and keep himself from trouble. But in his anger, he ended up sinning. Sometimes we're angry and we know there's a time we can be angry or frustrated. We, we recognize people aren't receiving correction or they're not receiving instruction or they're not understanding and we need to uh, have patience and not sin in our anger. And Moses here, when he heard these things, he saw what the people were doing, and the Lord told him to speak. He said, listen, you rebels. And he began to speak rashly with his lips. In fact, it says that later in the Psalms. I think it's Psalm 106. Verse 33, it says that he spoke rashly with his lips. It says, Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock twice with his rod. Now, he sinned against God because God told him to speak, and he struck. And it says, the water still came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts that they began to drink. <clears throat> now this is an amazing thing the Lord still allowed the waters to come forth from the rock even though he had sinned things got done didn't they <clears throat> sometimes we can speak with other words and things happen but it doesn't mean it's from the Lord That's what, this is one testimony we can receive from this sometimes we can use harsh words the way we want to get our message across and it will accomplish its purpose but it will not produce the life of Christ it will not produce life for us because when the Lord saw that what he had done, this is what he said. Verse 12. When the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. He said, that's it. <clears throat> You're not going to bring these people in the land. He's, he was immediately cut off from entering the land. He was removed from the stewardship from that point forward because of the severity of the sin with his lips. Now listen to the sin here in verse 12. And this tells us why sometimes we sin with our lips and why we have to speak with our mouths. It says, because you have not believed me. You didn't believe me. You looked at the people and you were angry because what you saw with your eyes. And that's why you sinned. Because you weren't looking at me and you weren't putting your trust in me. You didn't believe in me. And so you got angry and you sinned and struck that rock and spoke harshly. And so because you did that, <clears throat> I'm... I'm not going to allow you to bring my people in because you're a bad testimony. He says, look it. You treated me, uh, you did not treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel. <clears throat> when you sin like that, you are a bad testimony of me to the people. I can't let you bring the people in because you're not a good 
witness to them. And that is why the Holy Spirit convicted me, because that's what I felt in my heart. It was like I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me, you're supposed to be a testimony to this man. You're supposed to be a spiritual example to this man. And when things get tense, that you can be graceful. You can have the grace of God in your life. That's the testimony you're supposed to have. And so the Holy Spirit is very sensitive to speak to our consciences, to show us how our words have powerful impact. Because, you know, with words we can preach the gospel and we can draw men to Jesus with words. Anointed words, words of grace. But with words we can also cause men to flee a thousand miles away. With words uh, can bring division in a home. Separation between in a marriage with, through words. And it all stems from the heart <clears throat> where anger comes. And it all comes back even to if we're believers in Christ, if we don't trust God. We see a problem, and in our unbelief, we strike the rock. And we get angry, and we use our words. And it doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. The wrath of man, do you see here that it did not accomplish the righteousness of God? Their leader was taken away. <clears throat> God says, I can't use you. He had to raise up a new leader because of that. But this is not the testimony that we have because under the new covenant we, can, we have a greater grace, that we can have victory, and not even Moses, such a spiritual man, yet he was, had stumbled this way. <clears throat> and in Jesus we see a better example. I want you to read something here with me in Isaiah. Chapter 42. <clears throat> I want to look at Jesus Christ as a testimony, a better testimony. He was faithful over his house, whose house we are, and he is our example of how we can learn to speak and when not to speak. Listen to what it says in chapter 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. This is Jesus Christ, the servant of the Lord, whom the Lord upholds. The Lord upholds him and delights in him because he's put his spirit upon him. When we're, when we're in the spirit, we have much grace but it's when we're in the flesh or when we're not in the spirit that when those temptations and trials come that we can sin in our thoughts, in our hearts, and with our words. But Jesus, with the Spirit of God upon him, was able to bring forth justice to the nations. He was bringing the gospel to the nations. And in him they were trusting, it says in Matthew 12, where this scripture is quoted. And this is what it says in verse 2. He will not cry out or raise his voice nor make his voice heard in the street. I never really understood this because it seems like he did all those things. Naturally speaking, he cried out many times, Come to me, all you who are weary and thirsty, and I will give you a cried out loud voice. And he raised his voice in the streets. I mean, you think he did all these things. How can he, what does this mean? Nor will he make his voice heard in the streets. He's preaching all over the streets. So what does this scripture mean? We have to ask ourselves, what does this mean? I think the key is this, in verse 2. He will not cry out. The meaning that it wasn't of himself. He was not having to use his own 
uh, voice to try and attract the people or, or just to defend himself or to say, you know what, I have the truth here. I have the gospel. You know, I know the answers. Come to me. He was not, it was speaking of himself. He will not cry out. When he cried out, the spirit of God was in him, crying out, come to me. It was of his father. He says, I don't speak on my own initiative. Only the things I hear from my father, these things I speak. So this means he, whenever he spoke, he never spoke of himself. He only spoke from the Holy Spirit. When he had to cry out, it was the Spirit crying in him. He was crying out because he had a burden for the people. He had love for the people. When we're speaking, and when we speak and we sin in our speech, it's because we're unbelieving. Not because we love the people. It's because we're frustrated with them, because we're defending ourselves, and we're, we are right and they are wrong. But when Jesus raised his voice, it was because he had love for the people. And so love is the, really the deciding factor of when we raise our voice. <clears throat> If we're raising our voice and we have no love, it's of the flesh because we're angry. If we're raising our voice because we have a burden and a passion from the people or because we, we hate sin and we see the devil is destroying people and we're crying out to save them from the grip of the enemy, it's because of love, the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of Christ can bring justice to the people and draw them to himself. But Jesus of himself never raised his voice. He didn't have to prove his point. Even when he was in Matthew 12, if you read the testimony of this scripture, he was going around, he was healing people and he was healing the sick. And he told his disciples, and he told them, Let no, don't make mention of any of these things. Don't tell anybody about these things. He didn't want people to say, you know, Jesus, he's the true Messiah. He's the one. He, he would tell them, don't say, that. don't say these things. Let the Spirit of Christ cry out and draw people to, to himself. He didn't have to convince of himself. The Spirit of God would do the work. And so it it's really comes down to when we're trying to convince, we're work, doing in our own flesh, we're raising our own voice, it doesn't produce life. We get angry, we get frustrated, and it, we, we trouble our soul. We disturb our own soul. And so when Jesus, you know, look at the next verse here. It says, a bruised reed he will not break. You know, people who are in a difficult place, the Lord has his heavy hand on them. He's bruising certain people. And we, you know, the Pharisees, when they saw those people who are bruised, they would point the finger and they say, you know, sinner, right? This is what they deserve. You were born blind from birth, you sinful man, they said to the one man. The one man Jesus came to, he said, this is for the glory of God. And he opened his eyes and he rejoiced. When the Pharisees came, the Jews, they immediately were there to condemn him. They saw these bruised reeds and Jesus came to heal them and to deliver them. And so when we see uh, these situations where we can judge or condemn, we have to guard our mouth. Because Jesus came to heal. And when he saw those who were bruised and we saw those who were like a, a wick that was ready to burn out, he didn't come to extinguish them. <clears throat> it says he faithfully brought forth justice. <clears throat> you know, there was greater tests that Jesus went through and we can see them in Matthew in chapter 26. Before we go there, I want to read a, a scripture as a pretext to that. It's in Isaiah 53. 
It's in verse 7. <clears throat> this is what it says. It says in Isaiah 53, 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. See that? Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So when Jesus was oppressed, see there was times when he was in his ministry and he was speaking and he was, he could have said things of himself to try and convince, but he knew it wasn't, unless the Spirit opened his mouth to cry out, he wouldn't. Then there was times when he was falsely accused and he was abused and he was persecuted and he was afflicted and he was oppressed by others when it was a personal attack, you know, to him. And he knew that when it was an attack to him, that's when he had to be silent. You know, when someone uh, oppresses or, or speaks against your neighbor, you can go and you can you know, defend the orphan and the widow, to, so to speak, in a right way. But when someone is coming against you, or it's your pride, or it's your ambition, your selfish ambition, or your desire, you know, we can't always change people. When we have a, if the Lord opens the door, we have a, a right, or we've had, gained some respect, we can speak in certain situations to people. But when it's an attack to ourselves and we know that we can't change their hearts, we have to pray and be slow to speak and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work. And this is where it says here, when Jesus was oppressed and when he was afflicted, yet it says he did not open his mouth. But like a lamb that is led to slaughter, it says, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. What a test that is to be able to be slow to speak to the point where you don't even speak. You know, have you ever been able to, to go through a temptation where you've been so frustrated because people are saying things about you or yelling at you or saying something and you just wanted to say something back but you, you burned in your flesh and you just did not speak and you said, Lord, I don't want to say what I might want. I want to say something right now. Help me. Have you done that? <clears throat> That's picking up the cross. That's grace. That's getting power over anger and over our speech. And that's what Jesus did. Now let's look at that in uh, Matthew 26 as our example. Jesus fulfilled in the New Covenant what Moses fell short, though he was a holy man and was face to face speaking with God. Jesus was able to come to a place where He saw these rebellious people just like Moses saw the people rebellious. People who were accusing Jesus. They brought him before Caiaphas in chapter 26 of Matthew. Let's read from verse 59. Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order that they might put him to death. And they did not find any, any, it says, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I came, uh, I am able rather to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said to him, Do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? And it says, But Jesus kept silent. Jesus kept silent. One small uh, sentence. They brought these guys who heard him say things, testimonies against him, to try and irritate him. Telling lies, things that are not true. When people say things that are not true, that, is, that really bothers a man. 
When they humble, try and humble you, your reputation. You know, and of course, Jesus didn't want his reputation to, to be uh, marred, or he didn't want to come to be falsely accused because he could think, well, this is a bad. People are saying lies, bad testimony. But he knew it was about himself. He knew I have to trust my father. I'm leaning on my father. I don't. I'm not going to defend myself. And it says he kept silent like a lamb before the shearer. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah 53. Fulfillment of that prophecy is right here. He kept silent. Let's look. Uh, you know, and then they asked him again. They finally they asked him again. They say, "Look, I adjure you by the living God. You tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God." At this point, he felt, now I can open my mouth. He's asking me if I am this living. He's asked. He adjured him by the living God. Now he can open his mouth. Then he said. You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of, of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. You know how he said that? I'm sure he said it with the grace of God because, you know, he was able to keep his mouth silent. <clears throat> and when he spoke, he spoke those words, you have said it yourself. <clears throat> then later on, he was taken before Pilate. Now he was... Once before Caiaphas there, before the high priest, and now before Pilate. Now it says here in verse 11 of chapter 27. The next chapter, it says, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Slow to speak, not a lot of words there. It is as you say. (laughs) And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answer. More accusations, more accusations. Like, how, how many words? Well, words are many. Transgression is unavoidable. He knew the scriptures, and he knew this is not my time to speak now. This is my time to be silent. This is my time to be speak very few words. And they were beginning to accuse him, and it says he made no answer. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? And it says in verse 14, he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge so that the governor was quite amazed. <laughs> he was amazed because he didn't answer with, answer with a single charge. The Holy Spirit says, don't answer. The Holy Spirit said, don't speak back. You know, where, do we, where do we learn to speak back? Usually, I learned to speak back when I was a ch- child. I spoke back to my parents. That's what the flesh does. It speaks back to authority. And now Jesus here, standing before this great authority, and all these charges from these authorities, was, he was not speaking back even though he was right. He didn't have to defend himself. Because the Holy Spirit said, you don't have to answer to these false charges. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to change it. If Jesus knew that the, the something was going to change these people spiritually, he would have spoken. The Holy Spirit would have given him words. But he knew that it wasn't going to change it with his own words. And so he, he knew he had to be silent. It would have been better for him to be silent and to pray. Whatever the Holy Spirit told him. And these are the testimonies that we have of Jesus. That we can say, Lord, help me to be like this. When Jesus said, come and learn of me. Right? Take my yoke. I am gentle and humble in heart. And Lord, I want to have that heart whenever I'm in a situation where I have to speak something and I'm misunderstood or something was wrong. I want to be graceful in my speech. I want to have the life so I don't have the, the heaviness after I leave the situation. I don't want to have to carry the heaviness. I want the yoke that's light. 
When you feel the heaviness, that's the heavy yoke. Where does it come from? It comes from speaking my own words. When I speak my own words, I wear the heavy yoke. When I'm silent and I only speak his words, I, I get to wear his yoke. And I, what I get out of it is I get a gentle nature because that burning anger and that frustration and that have to say and have to defend, I get to die to it. I get to pick up my cross and say, Lord, I, my words aren't going to change it. Help me, Lord. Show me what you, how you did this. You were silent, Lord. You prayed. You trusted in, in the word. Help me to guard my, light, my mouth. I don't want to sin in my anger. Help me to listen, quick to hear, and listen to the, what the Holy Spirit says. <clears throat> There'll be much grace in our lives. And I, want, I want that. I want to be able to have that until the point where I, I don't have to get irritated in my soul even. I can work from my mouth down into my heart. You know, James, <clears throat> let's continue in James uh, he had a few more things to say here. Let's just read a few things in chapter 3 and we'll finish in uh, chapter 4. James knew the, the lethality of the tongue and he said in verse 6, the tongue is like a fire. It's a world of iniquity. And it's set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. And it can set on fire the course of our life and it is set on fire by hell. So one word can bring hell into our lives. <clears throat> a, lot of people, a lot of people that you meet that are miserable, you can see the hell on them. And it started with words. Somebody spoke words to them, set them on fire, and they began to speak words back. They just lit up on fire. You know? <clears throat> what does it look like to see a person lit up on fire? In the spirit, it's just people throwing fiery darts, words at each other. Light up on fire and the hell comes on them. Jesus didn't want to have hell, hell on him, so he knew when he was to be silent, when he didn't have to speak back. He didn't have, he said, The enemy has nothing in me because even with his own words, he knew, I will never speak my own words. I don't want the hell on me. The enemy has nothing inside of me. I only speak the words of the Holy Spirit. And when we speak the words of the Holy Spirit, then we can bring life to those people who have the hellfire on them. It's like, it's like, you know, dosing them with just a big fire hose. They've been let up on fire because they've been speaking their own words. They're bitter inside. They're frustrated. And they just, you know, I hear it. Uh, people, I, t- I talk on the phone today, just cursing on the phone. Another person grumbling and complaining. And you listen to these things and say, Lord, why people talk this way? And, you know, I can imagine being around that all day long. It's just like people lit up on fire. And eventually, you, just, you're on, you can be on fire yourself. You just get all that garbage and you start feeling that. We don't want to have that grumbling, complaining, miserableness. You can hear it all around you. But if you have the words of grace, you know, speak on the phone and say, you know what? Don't let these things, you know, bother you. And bless. And don't curse. And pray for those who, when you see people who are frustrated because someone's uh, done something, they're enemies, say, you know what? The Bible says this. It's to bless your enemies, you know, to pray for them. Let it be a testimony in you. When it's a testimony, then, then they can ask you. Then you can testify. And so that's what I want. I want them to see it in me when, the, when my enemy comes, that I can be silent and I can choose to, to do good. And it's like bringing refreshing rains on someone whose life is on, hell, on fire with hell. And so this, this fire is, it always starts with our own tongue. It can be a source of fire. It can be a source of poison, it says in verse 
8. No one can tame the tongue. It is restless evil and full of deadly poison. We can either bless our Lord and Father, or we can curse. We can curse men. From that same oath, it says blessing and cursing. Cursing. He says it's the same as having fresh water and salt water. And these two shouldn't be, be mixed together. Or fresh water and bitter water. But it says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior. Uh, it says, His deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. That's Jesus. The gentleness of wisdom. You know? Somebody makes you upset. Immediately say, Lord, I need to show by my good behavior now the gentleness of wisdom in this. I don't want to come running around like a man on fire. I don't want to look like that to this person. I want to have the gentleness of wisdom in me. This is going to be a fragrance of Christ. But if you have bitter jealousy or zeal, and selfish ambition in your heart. Don't be arrogant or proud because you think you know the truth. It says, then you lie against the truth. It's lie Because, you know, it's when we think we're right. But we have things in our heart that the Lord is manifesting that in our bad fruit and by our behavior we testify that we're actually lying against the truth even though we say we know we have the truth. In our hearts, God is showing us something that's in our heart. And he's saying, don't lie against the truth. You have something in your heart. And that's why it's coming out of your mouth. And so you need to overcome that by calling on the name of the Lord so that by your behavior you can have this gentleness of wisdom to show that you are not moved by those things that are around you because it's only God that is sovereign and governs your life. You're not governed by your circumstances. If something changes, it doesn't make you irritated or mad because... You have power over the flesh. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. So let's not be lying against the truth, even though we have the truth, and say we have the truth while our anger is in our heart. That's what Moses, you rebels, you are sinning. You know, God says, Moses, you sinned against me with your words, and your behavior was not gentle, but harsh. And so he, that was like a lie against the truth, because God says you didn't treat me as holy. That's how we can do that. So let's not do that, but let's call on the name of the Lord. When we recognize we, we've sinned, and we have sinned in this area, and even my, I recognized this, I said, Lord, I, I don't want to have that. Even the smallest thing, it seems like a small thing, but yet the Holy Spirit was quick, right there. Didn't have the, he, the, the light yoke, I felt the heavy yoke. So we need to recognize that wisdom that we have, that's in our mind, that says this is wrong, and this is what I think, it's not from heaven. Let's look at Jesus. It says it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. Especially when we have lots of words, and words, words, words. <clears throat> we need to be slow to speak. Because there, where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil thing. Confusion will break out. That's the fire of hell there. That's what, God, that's what was about to happen there when God's holy man had messed up. God said, this is a serious thing. This can bring confusion here, disorder. So I have to deal with this harshly because there's some ambition in your heart. It's not pure. The wisdom from above is first pure. It's true and it's pure. It's right and it's good. It's from God. And then it's peaceable. The two are together. Pure and it's peaceable and it's gentle and it's reasonable 
and it's full of mercy. You know, there's much mercy in it and long suffering, and there's good fruits. It's not wavering. You know, when we're wavering and tossed easily by th- by things, it shows that we uh, are swayed because we have something in our hearts. Whatever motives sway us, <clears throat> it doesn't have partiality, and it's without hypocrisy. You know, we if if we show favor in one situation and not in another, we have hypocrisy or partiality in our hearts, like Peter did. You know, when he sat with the the circumcision group, that was not wisdom; it was his own thoughts, and he began to make decisions. And Paul had to rebuke him for it. But he did it because he loved him. It says, The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We talked about being peacemakers. You know, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. That means, if you want to have the blessing of God, joy and happiness. Blessing is to have happiness and joy in your life. If you want to have joy and happiness, you also have to learn to be a peacemaker. The way that Jesus was. So that you sow your words in peace when there could be a a fire that could break out. You choose to sow words of peace and the fruit is righteousness. Because you can cause even your enemies, it says in the scriptures, to be at peace with you. That's what the Bible says. Your enemies can be at peace with you. So what then, when these things happen, what is James trying to point out by the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit trying to reveal to us, what is the source then of all of the quarrels and the conflicts that arise in our lives, or at work, or with our friends, or with our brothers, or with all, any thought that comes to our mind? Where you just get a hostile thought. You ever get those hostile thoughts towards, you know, someone that you're supposed to love, right? A hostile thought towards your brother. Well, there's many things that can can cause that, but it says here there's a source of it, and it can be simple as a pleasure within us, <clears throat> a pleasure within us. And that pleasure could be as simple as I want to defend myself and my reputation. It's just of the flesh. There's a pleasure. And it says there's a source to the conflict and it's the pleasure that wages war within my members. It's why we have to see. So when we lust or we desire, we have this pleasure and we don't get it. We want to be right. We, want to, we have to say Jesus, he could have raised his voice in, his, in the streets to make his point, come bring, bring his point across. But no, he committed that to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit lead him. And so we commit murder. That's where anger comes from. We don't get our point across, and so we get angry. Anger is like murder. <clears throat> Leads to murder. It says, and you are envious, and you cannot obtain it. It's not, it's not happening. You're not able to make it happen. And so, it's easy to That's what the world does. The world wants to fight. And they want to quarrel because they don't have the Holy Spirit and they don't understand what it means to be like a lamb silent before the shearer. <clears throat> you do not have because you do not ask. It kind of ties back to what the Lord said to Moses, doesn't it? Because you did not believe me to treat me as holy. If we believed, we wouldn't have to speak many words with our mouths. We could take all those words and we could close the door and we could, send, we could bring them to the Lord, right? Say, Lord, I've got to take this burden to you and let those words that in my pent up inside my heart go to Jesus. Sometimes we, you know, we need to speak sometimes and we can say something. Like that's what the Bible says when we, our brother sins against us and we're struggling in an area and we can go gently and we can say, brother, you know, this is not right. And 
and speak. And if he repents, you forgive him, and he does it again. And forgive him. But you know what? There's a time when you, you say, you know what, Lord, I have to pray about this thing because I can speak words and words and words, but it's just going to make me angry. I need it. I need to overcome. And so we, if we asked, then the Lord could do the work. You know, especially if it's a sin not leading to death. It says if it's a sin not leading to death, it says we're supposed to pray about that. First John 5. If it's something that's clearly leading to death, willful sin, we need to, deal, we need to speak about it. If we have a heart of love, then if our, our motivation is love, the words will bring life. It's not selfish. Selfish. So we can ask God to help us give those words of life and we can speak those words of life. But if we ask and we don't receive, it could be because we ask with wrong motives for our own pleasures, for our own sake. And so it says here in verse 6, He gives a greater grace. That's what, that, that's what Jesus Christ had. He had this greater grace where his enemies didn't cause him to get angry and where he had to sin with his lips. He says, God is opposed to the proud. You know, it's pride is why we have to get those last words out. Whenever I, I remember being living teenager and I always, with my parents, I had to get the last word in. What is that in the flesh? It's such an antichrist spirit. It's such from the, from the devil. Someone speaks and you got to get the last. It's like getting the last punch. And the last swing is just the last words. It's pride. And when God sees that, he opposes himself against such a person. When they accuse Jesus, Jesus didn't have to get the last word in. He's so silent. Oh, you can talk. You can get the last words. I don't have to say the last words. You know when someone says something to you and you feel like, you, man, you want to say something. One more shot back. And you just say, no, it's not from, from the Spirit. That's like being silent in your flesh. It's dying there. And so what's going to happen? You humble yourself like that. A humble man will be silent. And it says he gives grace to the humble. You're going to get grace over that area, that very area where you're dying, and you're going to find more grace. So let's submit to God. Let's resist the devil when he's provoking us to speak rashly with our lips. And it says the devil's going to flee, and we can draw near to him. We can cleanse our hands, our lips, and all these things, and purify our hearts, and humble ourselves. Verse 10, it says, before the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. We, we need to go into the presence of the Lord because that's, <clears throat> the reason Jesus had the grace over these things was because He was in the presence of the Lord, crying out in those times, saying, Lord, help me when my enemies persecute me, when they speak against me, to have grace over my lips. Amen.